to Speak Your Mind, the podcast with Carla Pava. Today, we will be speaking with a special guest, Samantha Lacasse. She will be sharing her story with us. Welcome, Samantha. Tell us your story and how it started. Thank you for having me. Um, if I am going back um, to where I was born, I was born in Moncton, New Brunswick, but I was raised in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I came here at a very small age and I just came with my mom and my dad. And so um, that was the only family I really had growing up. Um, but yeah, my family, uh, I had a pretty good childhood. Uh, me and my dad are very similar in a lot of ways. Okay. So we butted heads a bit. Um, but other than that, I have been very fortunate in my childhood. Um, we kind of gained friends as family as we, as my parents met people and those friends kind of come in as your aunt and uncle and stuff like that where, um, but I never had my Beautiful. true, yeah, I never really had my true family here, um, but we go and visit them quite often. But um, yeah, it was pretty much me and my parents and, and yeah, that was, it was a really good childhood that I had with them and yeah. And how was your, going through your, um, you know, your schooling years, growing, um, how was that journey and experience? Well, um, I guess it depends on the year. So if I was to start back um, in elementary was a good time that wasn't a problem um but junior high was really rough um i kind of grew up i mean i went to school in the er like late 90s early 2000s and that's when bullying um for weight specifically was quite heavy so i wasn't um now that i now that i look back at myself because i'm 30 <laughs> i noticed that i wasn't actually as big as what people thought i was but um at the time it wasn't acceptable to be overweight and i've always been a bigger girl so i went through a lot and, of scrutiny and pain in that and how did that make you feel while going through that journey um sad you know I didn't understand at the time why people couldn't like why they cared I guess was my biggest thing and um I would always come home from school and like from grade seven to about nine was a really horrible time and I just it was it just made me feel sad like I felt bad about my body but not not really at the same time it's kind of hard to explain but I I more took it as not understanding why people were wanting to be mean because I wasn't mean to people I and guess, I didn't care what they look like yeah, you know yeah I think um because uh you yourself would accept others for who they are and not for what they look you felt that others would also do the same right and because the response wasn't likewise it was quite like for you hard to understand why are they being you know like that towards you yeah well exactly and it's hard to um especially when you're at that age you know you're se grade seven to nine you're 13 to 15 or 16 depending on on when you're born and stuff and so you're kind of going through that phase where you're not understanding a lot of things and so to not really comprehend why people aren't just being nice was was hard and i mean i did take a lot of that body negative body image with me into high school and I mean, it's kind of hard not to in that scenario, but in high school, things really calmed down. There was not, it wasn't as clicky in terms of like a negative environment the way 
junior high was. Junior high was probably, like, if I could forget those years, I would, just so I didn't have to kind of remember how mean people were. But um, as I went into high school, there was no more cool kid versus mean kid, I guess. Or um, cool kid, which were the mean kids, versus non-cool kids who are kind of, like, shy and stuff. And they didn't really have that. They had clicks, mm-hmm. but it was more like the football team and the dancers and then, um, you know, like the auto team and that kind of stuff. And I found myself in a whole bunch of different, I guess, clicks for lack of a better word. And I had a whole bunch of friends in different groups and I never felt like I needed to stick to one separate group. And because of that, I never felt the negativity that I felt in junior high. So in high school, I was actually able to like come out of my shell and and accept myself because I was never made fun of in high school but I think it was because that environment wasn't only popular kids who are mean to people versus not it was people start growing into their own shells and learning about themselves and taking extracurricular classes that people really liked and you know you kind of fell into your own groove and so I was able to finally get out of that stage in high school and um, my body image kind of still was there you know it's definitely hard not to feel a certain way after you're dealing with three years straight of really mean people in your life but um so it kind of carried with me through high school but it never affected me in a in my mental health it was always sometimes in the back of my head in like a dance class or you know when you're around a whole bunch of thin people and it kind of always kept in the back of my mind but I it something I definitely didn't let affect my high school years the way it affected my junior high years like my junior high years were extremely negative part of my life that I truly try and forget where high school I was able to to not feel like that so I actually had a very empowering high school experience which was good yeah it sounds like um you know it's so ironic because normally um kids go through the hardest in high school right and for you it was the opposite you actually was kind of like uh and like you said an empowerment um time because it helped you to kind of uplift you your like your inner self and your physical self to another level right well yeah exactly and i didn't And I think it helped too that the high school I went to was quite large and at first I was scared because of how large it was but by being as big as it was it forced like I said it forced everybody to do their own thing and find their own place so it wasn't as a small little area where you're dealing with just mean kids all the time and I was really fortunate to not have to deal with that in high school and um, I felt like if I would have high school would have also been such a horrible time for me but because I was able to not be stuck with the same people that I went to junior high with there was multiple schools going into this one school at that point so there was new faces to meet and more people to be around that weren't in that negative area so it kind of evened out because my school was so big like I graduated with like 3,000 people or something like that like it's an extremely big school but I think that's what helped me in the long run is I wasn't forced to still only be with the people who treated me so poorly in those grades I was able to actually expand my wings and take on like people that I wanted to in terms of friendship and everything like that and not have to only rely on the people who are mean to be friends with or to get through the next the final three years of my schooling with so I was very very lucky to be able to create that environment for myself which was ultimately created by the school because of how big it was. 
Yeah. Yeah, I love that how, you know, such environment gave you the opportunity to socialize with others and uh, build new relationships with others, which helped you to be, you know, accepted for who you are, right? Yeah, of course. It's a definitely a different experience. <laughs> yeah. And now, as you uh, completed high school, um, you know, there's a beginning of a new chapter in your life. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So um, I actually truly had... Um, I had a, I had an idea of what I wanted my life to look like, but I wasn't sure how to bring it out. Um, so after high school, I, I was working at the same job that I was working at since I was 14. So I kind of just took on a full-time role there. I didn't go to university um, or college or anything like that. I wasn't too sure. Um, and then I kind of dabbled into like fashion and that kind of stuff in terms of like looking into schools and applying and trying to see if that's the kind of area I wanted to get into. But um, the person that I was seeing at the time, I wasn't exactly careful. And so I got pregnant early. So I was 19 when I got pregnant um, with my firstborn. And so at that point, I chose to have the baby. Like I kind of kept my emotions in check. It it didn't really make me feel a certain way. I kind of just felt like I had to deal with my decision um, or the the result of my decisions which was pregnancy so I felt like I had to had to just figure it out to where I wasn't excited because I was pregnant I wasn't disappointed I was pregnant but because I didn't have a like I wasn't already on my life path because I was still trying to figure it out so I was kind of lucky in terms of not having that my partner wasn't as happy um but he was in school to be like a plumber and he kind of had more of a life plan he had more if it figured out than I did. So um, I ultimately chose, I didn't want to terminate the pregnancy. I didn't feel that was right. And I felt like I had to deal with the situation at hand. So I did, and I had my firstborn uh, when I was 20. I turned 20 in November, and then he was born in the following April. So um, I was a really young mom, and I kind of just rolled with that lifestyle um me and my he's now my ex-husband the father of my kids is my ex but um he we were lucky enough where things kind of played out good for us like he got a really good job with the city and did all of that stuff at a very young age um and then I didn't really do much I was a mom that was my what I was doing I was being a mom I would work like here and there but it was nothing for like career goals or anything like that and then at 23, I got pregnant with my youngest, and I had him when I was 24, um, and his birthday came about a month after mine, but um, at that point, I was still a pretty much a mom, so my first, like, early 20s were very baby-related and, you know, figuring out that life, and it was, it was trying to figure out how to be a mom and kind of go through all of that, because I didn't have anything else to rely on, you know? Yeah, and... Um while going through that chapter in your life did you ever sat down and think about wow where did i put myself into or where to now kind of thing or it was just like i'll take one day at a time and it is what it is most that's a good question i mean most of my days were very i mean take it as it comes this is what happened you know figured out on a day-to-day -day basis and then there were times 
especially near the end of my relationship. So my relationship ended six months after my youngest was born. So during that whole final, probably two years before we separated, so before my youngest was six months old, it was very, how are we going to get past this? Like, you know, like what, we're young, we don't, I don't have an education. My ex was making incredible money for being 23 or 22, um, but it still wasn't enough for a life with two kids and you know, that kind of stuff. And our relationship was very, very rocky. So I think more I was feeling in day-to-day life, I was comfortable um, and I would just take it day by day. But when I look back on it in that time, my me and my partner were very distant and we were more friends than anything else. And that was more where my brain was for the final couple of years before my youngest came and and we ultimately ended the relationship because that was the hardest was I can deal with what are, what's coming financially or um, emotionally in terms of my kids or my mental health in terms of my kids and I could figure all of that out but it was really the relationship ending that kind of took over my mental state over that last little bit um, but everything else was definitely a day-to-day basis but I definitely looked at it as how can I make my relationship better for my kids and ultimately it didn't work out and I was fine with the decision but it's probably because I, I let it sit there, right? I always thought about that decision coming through. And when I finally made the decision, I knew that it was, I was ready for it and it wasn't rash or anything like that. So when I ended it, I felt bad because I was separating my family, but I felt a huge relief of now I can figure out what I want to do for my life. And I feel like I can find a partner who loves me and do those kind of things, even though it was such a hard time, I felt like I could properly supply my kids was seeing proper love and you know receiving that and those kind of things so I wouldn't say my early 20s were hard because of my kids it was more my situation with their dad and it wasn't toxic but it was just not loving and it was very hard to go through when you're loving humans that are so small you know <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say that that um you know exactly what you said it was more about the love and the nurturing because let's face it when you're in a relationship it should be about teamwork and nurturing one another because that's how we have the ability to get through and break through in a relationship right mm-hmm. well especially and when you're a mom you're nurturing your kids and you nurture your husband by making sure like you're you're you try and take care of everything so you need that nurture back and when you don't have it it's very easy to feel lost And that's definitely where I was at. I was giving out so much, especially having, you know, my oldest at such a young age. And then even having like our relationship really fell apart after my youngest was born. And it's because I was now nurturing for two people plus a grown man. And it was and I wasn't getting anything back. And it was very hard. It was very hard to understand and comprehend like why I wasn't getting anything back. And then once I realized it was just because we weren't meant to be together and I took the step to separate was when I finally was like, you know what, even though this is hard, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to get this back. And then I finally was able to later on in life. But like in that time, it's very hard to nurture and give everything out that you have and to have nothing in return. Yeah, for sure. And when uh, you had your second child, was that like a a surprise uh, thing? Or was it something that you felt, you know what, Uh, I really want another child or like how did that evolve yeah my so my youngest 
came as a surprise. Um, and the, the main reason why is, so I have endometriosis. It's, um, it's a disorder that kind of comes through your ovaries and it's when um, the endometrium doesn't shed with the lining of your period and it comes out like your fallopian tubes and and attaches itself onto your organs so it's kind of like calcium buildup sort of but in your reproductive area and so when I had my first son I went through extremely bad um, endo pain out of control I was a part of the chronic pain center here in Calgary I did their 12-week program to try and live with the pain because it was that bad and during that time um, fast forward to the end of it they said, hey, a hysterectomy is not a cure for endometriosis, but if you try the Lupron shot, it literally shuts down your ovaries. And if you re- if you experience pain relief that way, then that's a good way to indicate if you would be a good candidate for a hysterectomy in, in order to control the pain. So I said, okay, at that point, I was like, give me whatever I want. Like, I'm okay with one baby if that's what it is. So I went on the Lupron shot and it worked and I, I felt great for that whole three months trial that I had to be on. And then after that, the doctor said, okay, I need you to lose weight before you can go in for the surgery. So you need to go home, lose 30 pounds. I'm giving you, I think it was four months to lose 30 pounds. And then I'll book your surgery once you do that. And in that three months, I got pregnant with my second. So not only was my first child, like he was the same way. He was, I mean, at 20, it was obviously not planned, um, but I had endo, endo at that time. So to get pregnant with him was almost a miracle, but then to be planning for a hysterectomy um, so close to having that date booked, and then I got pregnant with my youngest. So they're definitely, he was definitely not planned, but a miracle in a sense, because if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have had any reproductive organs to make him happen. So we're definitely lucky for him. Um, but it was a shock when he came because, like I said, we were planning on a hysterectomy. We were planning on, you know, it's one and done. There's no other options. I need to feel better because my quality of life was going down really hard with the, within with how much pain I was in. So, and then he yeah. came. And it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like honestly hearing your words and hearing everything. It's like, yeah, he was a miracle because, you know, um, he was that part of your life that did not allow that organ you know to be removed or whatever in you to be removed which really shed light towards certain decisions in your future which you will be disclosing shortly and it's mind-blowing how one thing happened and there's a reasoning for it but at that moment you didn't know why right yeah exactly and like and then once i gave birth to oakley i've been lucky enough to be in remission since my youngest was born so he's six now and i'll have a flare up here and there but it's nothing like it was when i had my first and i was in it was bad like i couldn't even move or do anything like i was practically in the fetal position and then all of a sudden it went from that to feeling better to needing surgery to getting pregnant and giving birth and then after giving birth i've been in remission so then it's like this whole thing kind of played out in such a crazy way like i was definitely meant to have my organs you know like it 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 didn't need to happen and the universe kind of played out in a way where now like such big parts of my life are thankful for that scenario so like i have like i'm very thankful for oakley because if it wasn't for that then i wouldn't be able to be where i'm at now 
exactly and it's like wow i love that and um now going through your you know separation and no longer having that partner in your life as you move forward um how has been that journey you know being a single mom uh caring to your children and then you know eventually down the road having the ability to uh find love again oh that journey was interesting <laughs> Um, I went through a lot of bad relationships during that time. I definitely, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I definitely hmm, had my fair share of trying out the waters, I guess. Um, being a single mom, I actually didn't find as hard as I thought I would, but it's because even though my ex wasn't a good partner, he was a great dad. So he stepped up and I had 50-50 custody. I never had to worry about my kids being disappointed by him or anything like that. So I've been very fortunate that my children's father did step up in that way. So um in terms of my kids feeling taken care of, I never had to worry about that. So that was such a huge relief when you're single, especially as a single mom cuz it's so hard. But um I I went through a big period of time of getting to even who I am today and the love that I have today by going through some really really not nice stuff. I mean, my ex-husband is in full disclosure, he's married to what was my best friend of 10 years, so there was all of that I had to deal with and then I went through a lot of really crappy men in my single early single days and I was um I was fortunate enough to know that and understand that my kids couldn't be around so my kids never had to deal with men coming in and out or anything like that and it's because i had 50/50 custody that it allowed me to kind of explore the dating world without having to expose my kids so i was able to go through some hard stuff without my kids having to which was great um but yeah i i made some bad decisions on character calls and you know all of those things and actually ended up meeting my current husband at one of my jobs He's very young. Like he was 20 when we met. I was 27. I had two kids. You know, and we went to a movie one day and I thought he was just a friend, like didn't think anything of it as per the past. Plus he's 20, you know, I don't think anything. Um and he kissed me and he was like, "Yeah." And we just started as like a fling because at that point I dealt with so many bad character judgments that I was I wasn't willing to really kind of date or do anything. He was too young, you know, like he obviously just wants like a fling or whatever. But Hey, I wasn't dating anybody else. I was like, "You know what? I've already done this. I know myself well enough now. I've gone through treatments, um mental treatments and psychology and stuff to try and get me to a better place. So, why not we'll do like a summer fling, you know? And that summer fling ended up turning us into being in love within a couple of weeks. And then I had a a, a scary like life like near like like life or death experience. about uh 5 months after we started dating seriously um and uh that kind of led us to get engaged in six like within like a month of my my surgery and so we were together for 6 months when we got engaged and now we're married and so happy so i definitely had to go through all of the bad character judgments to kind of find my person but yeah single life is it's not fun <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I hear you. And um, now, while you were sharing here about the life or death experience, do you want to share with us a little bit more in depth so people have the understanding how, you know, one moment you're okay, but another moment things could just make a U-turn, kind of shaking you up, making you understand that life's too short. Yeah, of course. So what? Um, so I touched on endometriosis, um, and so I had a. I woke up one morning, or sorry, we were we were hanging out one day, and our friend had a hockey game that he invited us to. And adult hockey's late, so like his game was until like midnight or something. So we came home, had a nap. I woke up at like eleven thirty from like really bad pain, like severely bad pain, where like I was like, "Oh, what's happening?" And it was on my left side. And I didn't mention before, but my left has always been where the pain was from my endometriosis. So I never mm-hmm. thought anything of it. I thought I was in an endo flare-up. My husband, um, boyfriend at the time, didn't know what endo did because I've been in remission. So he never saw me in a flare-up or anything like that. So my parents got like me a, hot, a heat pad and that kind of stuff. And none of it was working. I was finally able to go in the shower and try and calm down the pain enough to kind of fall asleep. And I fell asleep for a few hours and then it didn't, nothing kind of happened. But then the next day he had a busy day. The pain was bad, but like I was able to tolerate it. Like I was going through 10 out of 10 pain for years. So my pain tolerance is probably higher than it it should be. Because if it wasn't as high, I would have went to the hospital er- earlier. But anyway, I let my, I let Jared, my husband go. He was with his family. They had something to do that day. And it was a Sunday and I had to pick up my kids from their dad. And I texted my ex and I said, hey, would you mind bringing them to me today instead of me picking them up? I'm in a ton of pain. And um, he didn't he didn't agree. So I ended up going to pick them up and brought them to my house and kind of took it easy. But at that time, I was a part of a dance company and um, they had a dancer bring a friend night. And so I you were allowed to bring as many people as you wanted. And I had four people coming that weren't able to come if I didn't go. So, you know what, I, I dealt with the day of pain, it was fine. I showed up to class that night with everybody that was coming and I tried to dance and I couldn't. Like I was in so much pain, I literally had to sit out and watch. So it was four hours of, of class because my training was four hours a week. And so I was sitting there like trying, but like I couldn't. And then after I was like, you know what, maybe I need to eat. So it's 10 o'clock at night, we go out to eat. It's 11.30 at night by this time when we're done eating. And I was like, you know what, I actually don't think I can go home. I think I need to go to the hospital. And I actually asked my mom, I was like, what do you think? But because it was a Sunday, she said, well, if you go tonight and you're still there in the morning, at least you're not leaving work and you can call your work and say you're at the hospital and get a hospital note instead of starting work and then not being able to show up. And that's literally the only reason why I went. I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. I went to the hospital. Um, she literally, the nurse pushed on my stomach and it caused like the amount of pain that I've never felt before. I was like bawling in the corner and an hour later they pulled me and Jared aside and they were like so you're pregnant and I was like what and she was like she was like yeah you're pregnant did you know that and I said I have the IUD in so I I don't know how I'm pregnant and he's like okay well think you're now and he literally said you're now the sickest patient we have and things are going to start moving really quickly for you so me and Jared were like and like yeah it scared us so then all of a sudden I was in a wheelchair in a back room Jared was watching from like the door. There were nurses on either side of me putting in double IVs. The doctor was setting up an ultrasound. We will 
will be taking a quick break and we will be right back. Hello, have you heard about Pam Sears, a psychic medium? Well, let me tell you, Pam has the ability to provide you some answers regarding your love, career, and financial. She also has a special gift that allows her to connect with someone special on the other side. So connect with Pam at 623-738-6715 or check out her website at pamsears.com. Samantha's story. Like, I need your permission to record what I'm seeing right now. And I was like, what? And he's like, I just need your permission. So I was like, okay, you have my permission. He asked Jared to take off his his uh, glove and he started recording what he was seeing on his phone. And he's like, I'll be right back. And they kept trying to give me medicine and nothing would help the pain. And at this point, it was like two in the morning. And I was like, is this serious enough that I need to call my mom? And she, like the doctor said, like, yeah, you're gonna wanna get her here. So he got her here anyway, we figured out that it was an ectopic pregnancy, but it was my left side. So I asked them at the time, I was like, can you take my left ovary? And they all, they said no. Anyway, roll around to 7 a.m. So I got there at 11.30 p.m. And by 7 a.m. I was in the operating room starting like to be to be under anesthetic at seven. So it only took me eight hours to from start to surgery. And I found out after that surgery that I had the baby in my ovary and not in my fallopian tube. So when I had the pain the night before, it was actually the my ovary bursting open and I was internally bleeding. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I they had to take out 700 milliliters of blood in my abdomen and they had to remove my all my left side. So I have no left ovary, left no left fallopian tube. And then... When they came in to explain all this, the doctor said, like, they thanked Jared for bringing me in because they essentially said, like, if I would have waited till morning, like, I wouldn't have made it. And so we were both sitting there, like, having the craziest 24 hours, 48 hours at that point. Like, we haven't slept since Sunday morning. We stayed up all night trying to figure it out. He didn't sleep at all through my surgery. He was with me the whole time, like, didn't once leave the hospital, didn't eat or drink. Like, he literally stayed there to be with me through recovery and everything and that kind of put us in a situation of like things end fast and like this was scary and so we we took a little mini trip to just to BC within three hours from our hometown and we um we just discussed there like what we want our life to look like like because it was very it could have been taken away from us if we didn't make a decision that minute like it could have been gone just right there so that's when we kind of decided like we wanted to get married and you know and have that kind of life and he ended up proposing to me about a month later we had a long engagement because it was still so new but we definitely took the step of being engaged because of that reason we didn't know how much time we had left and it was important for us to have those moments of that not everybody gets you know the engagement and you know all of those emotions that come with that that step in your life we really wanted to be able to experience those with our with each other yeah for sure it's like wow you know 
um, it's amazing how that shook you guys up and then you just basically sped up <laughs> into uh, okay that's it we're getting married we're doing this and you're together like that's that's amazing how things in life really happen for a reason um, now as we um, you know after your marriage and all that um, there's a big chapter in your life that you just completed not too long ago um, share with us that part of your life that really has become a big chapter yeah so I um, I've so it's about surrogacy I've always wanted to be a surrogate uh, back in the day 90210 sounds so embarrassing but 90210 did a reboot um, and if you ever watch the series at the very end one of the ladies has breast cancer and she's not able to have her own kids and she had to hire a surrogate in order for her to have um, a baby and so I looked at that and I was like oh that would be so amazing to be able to give that to somebody fast forward to what was February of last year I um I met uh, an intended or sorry a surrogate who was caring for intended fathers two two dads and she was one of the moms at one at my kids school and I, I saw her as pregnant and said congratulations not knowing she was a surrogate at that time and she said oh it's not my baby you know and I was like what and we started talking about how she was a surrogate and I was like oh I've always loved to be a surrogate but you know like Canada everybody has really high expectations on your BMI so they don't pay attention to your overall health they just care about your BMI and she's like no Canada has changed and I was like are you sure like you fit the standard like what you're supposed to be like I don't think I would apply and she's like no I'll talk to my agency like I'm gonna add you into this group like if, you, if this is something you genuinely want and I said well no it is for sure like get me involved right so um I felt out a surrogate intake form and it was a very humbling experience that like, they were so okay with my size they didn't care and so they were like I'm gonna ask the doctor and so they talked to the doctor for me before I even matched or anything like that because um, I didn't want to match with someone and then have the doctor be like she needs to lose 30 pounds and I also was willing to help a family but I took so much time out of my life to be comfortable with who I am that I wasn't willing to change my weight or anything about me in order to do a surrogacy. It had to be um, allowed, I guess, for what I was to, in this present day. And so she called up the doctor at the fertility clinic in Toronto and she said, hey, like I have a surrogate, she's super active, she owns a dance company, she is plus size, so she has high BMI, but um, she's not your stereotype. So is this somebody that you would um, be okay with or is or not, essentially? And uh, the doctor ended up saying, hey, you know what, if she doesn't show that she's plus sized in her screening results and not just her BMI, but I had to go through psychology, I had to go through like a uterus, um, I, I do forget what the test is called, but they had to check out my uterus, I had to do all of the blood work, I had to do um, multiple tests that I all had to come back positive in a way. And he said if any of those tests came back showing that she's positive for being plus sized, aka like a fatty liver or high blood pressure, those kind of things, then no, I can't qualify her. But if she screens and doesn't show she's plus size, then I give part of my language zero crap about what she looks like, what her size is, as long as I don't see it. And I was like, you know what, that's fair. That's literally all plus size people want is to be treated normal until 
there are problems that are developed by your weight right so that in itself was an emotional journey (laughs) because to have a doctor actually like pay attention to you and like not be mean about your weight was that was a huge thing on its own but anyway I went through screening and um and they all my tests came back perfect he said you have a pristine uterus like you're in perfect condition to be to do this so I matched with my guys I carried a baby for two intended fathers from Australia so I was with an agency and they were with the agency and the agency sent me a bunch of profiles and I didn't I wanted to really go off my gut because it was important to me to have like a lifelong relationship and it had to be two dads and then on top of that it had to be at this one clinic in Toronto which is a very popular clinic so there's a lot of intended parents to choose from but I couldn't go to the states or anything like that because the states is very very specific on their surrogates so my BMI completely squashed me going there so I had that kind of criteria I had to fall into and um, I said no to a few profiles before and then the agency the lady at the agency who was sending me my profile said these are your guys they're brand new to us but these are your guys and um, I looked at their profile and I was like you're right those are my guys and we met and it's funny not funny but they went through a loss of their dog like they had their dog for the whole 10 or 13 years or whatever that they were together and the dog passed away the day or two after we matched if I remember the story correctly but it was right around when we matched so they emailed back a few days later saying sorry for being tardy but we lost her dog and you know we feel like she brought you to us before she passed and you know like it was a very emotional thing because we've kind of talked about the universe putting things in the way or not in the way in that kind of circumstance so it's, it's kind of cool to hear that from them because they were kind of going through that at the same time they had such a positive thing happen and then anyway uh COVID hit so we were originally supposed to wait until after September because we were supposed to get married in September of 2020 well COVID hit and our wedding got cancelled so we moved up transfer um I ended up getting married in July just because we were we got a good deal we couldn't resist but I transferred on August 14th um, we got married July 25th and then I transferred for their baby on August 14th and it the first transfer took so it's weird because my whole pregnant or my whole pregnancy is my whole married life <laughs> which is kind of crazy but yeah first transfer took the doctor believed in me and it didn't matter that I'm plus size or nothing first transfer took and me and the guys were ecstatic and um, I recently just gave birth to baby river um, he was born on April 7th and the guys came from Australia with COVID they weren't allowed at the birth but they came in about three hours later and they met him together and it, they the chapter finally just ended they went back home two and a half weeks ago to Australia um, yeah so it's been a big ending to this chapter <laughs> yeah it is and uh, I guess the the thing is like the fact that you're getting married and then um, your pregnancy carrying a child that it's not even your husband's child and him embracing it and like being there for you uh, you know through that journey and supporting you it's like absolutely priceless because I mean um, nowadays it's so hard to find someone that has that type of quality right 
and um, and then having to wait, right, to actually have a, a honeymoon eventually, um, and also, you know, while going through the uh, the birds, you know, of um, Baby River, how was that, you know, journey of giving birds all about? Because I know that you're very connected and it was a very different experience comparing to your children yeah definitely I mean for sure that it's almost emotional to talk about because of being plus sized in the medical world has always been such a negative thing um just by looking at you it was never related to results of testing or anything like that like I just mentioned so this like I mentioned before, the just even being accepted at CREATE from my doctor to be a surrogate alone was already emotional. And then I chose to have midwives the surrogacy. I wasn't able to have midwives with my kids. My oldest, they weren't covered under Alberta Healthcare at the time. And even with my youngest, they were covered, but they weren't as popular. So I never even thought really much of them for my own kids. And it was a doc, they were both doctor births and it was very much I had no choice. I had to deliver the way they wanted me to. I was by myself in a room and um, anyone who's given birth with a doctor just knows that it's not a personal experience. Yeah, they, they do write and obviously like you're safe and that kind of stuff, but in terms of it being personable or helpful or anything like that, they kind of just like let you do your thing and you're with a nurse that checks in on you randomly, but you're dealing with it by yourself. So for this pregnancy, I was like, you know what? I want a midwife. If I'm going to be doing this for someone else, I want to make sure I'm getting the full deal. Like, I want to do this exactly how I wanted, or I couldn't even imagine how I would have with my kids. Like, I would have, I just want to have an all-natural birth. I want a midwife, um, and I want to be able to have that experience. And so, at the beginning of pregnancy, I matched with my midwives. They took me on as a patient and I had a doctor, I had to consult with a doctor because I have a high BMI. So the doctor said, you can stay with your midwives, but I guarantee you, you're going to need transfer of care um, because IVF gives you high blood pressure and you had high blood pressure 10 years ago when you had your baby. And so when I, I bawled my eyes out because I thought that meant I had to leave my midwife. So I called my midwife after and um, she was like, no, that doesn't mean anything. I truly believe that you can stick with us till the end. I believe in you. I believe in your body and the baby. And I think you should stick with us. And if we have to transfer care at the end, we do. But if we do, I'm not going to leave your side. I'll still come to your birth as your midwife. But the OB will be making the decisions. But we're not even going to talk about it because I think that you, there's, these are all what ifs. And I think you're going to be able to make it. And I was like, wow, oh my God, okay. And I like followed my face off because it was such a crazy experience. And then um, fast forward, like the pregnancy went perfect. Like baby was measuring huge and they thought I had gestational diabetes, which I didn't. And then the baby kept growing huge. So they made me actually go, even though I passed the test initially, they wanted me to go for the second test just because of how big I was measuring and stuff. But everything was healthy. I had no nothing. I had no gestational diabetes. I had nothing. It was like a perfect pregnancy. And then near the end, I was 37 weeks and... Yeah, 37 and 6. Um, so it was the day before my 38th week of pregnancy. I woke up and I wasn't feeling very good. And I had a midwife appointment that day. And it turned out my blood pressure was elevated, which was what the doctor was mentioning earlier in pregnancy. But my midwife said, why don't you meet 
um so you have two midwives when you have a midwife so the second midwife was she was on call at the hospital so she's like meet her in triage and she'll check you out and um anyway when i was in triage it, it came to light that i wasn't able my blood pressure wasn't bad enough to be induced um but the doctor came in and the ob said listen i know it's important for you to have a midwife so here are your options you either go home now and you hope it doesn't come back but if it does come back you're going to have to transfer care or because you're already out over 37 weeks you get induced via other your because my midwife was saying she was comfortable she thought she could break my water because i was already three centimeters dilated she said if you if you do it now right now with her and you don't leave the hospital we'll let you stay with your midwife and only transfer care if something goes wrong during delivery and so naturally at that time i said okay well that's what i have to do if i want to have the birth i want so that ob was great and that was in the afternoon and labor went by fast and furious i got induced at 4 35 or something she broke my water um and i was able to birth completely natural he came out at 8 12 he was born so from breaking my water to delivery it was three hours so it was very like fast and the furious but um my yeah, it was very uh quick <laughs> yeah very quick like thank god but my midwife was able to stick out for me and i didn't actually find this out for a couple days after um but i guess backdating a little when i had the baby um after i delivered the placenta i had a hemorrhage and my midwife said it wasn't as bad of a hemorrhage as what it could have been it was definitely like i guess when you have a hemorrhage you lose more blood than when you give birth vaginally but if you lose less blood than you do after a c-section then it's then it's a hemorrhage that they don't worry about as a midwife well the ob didn't see it the same way and the ob switched uh shifts at six o'clock so i guess that ob who came on after i was already in labor um was quite rude about the fact that i was in midwifery care because i wanted all natural like when i gave birth i had no ivs attached to me i had nothing on my belly like for heart monitor nothing like I literally did it fully completely like I would if I were at home so when I wow. hemorrhaged they had to put in an IV because they didn't have one well the doctor was really mad at my midwife and at the time I didn't realize um but they had to give me oxytocin to kind of thicken my blood at that time so they needed the IV set up um but I guess she got in a lot of trouble after for letting me deliver because the OB who came on was very old school and doesn't really believe in midwives but my midwife was like no I'm doing this I believe in her she can do it she's doing fine like get on my face essentially like i trust that i can do this and she can do this and i know what a yellow flag looks like and if i ever get a yellow flag i'll call you like i'm not going to wait till a red flag i will do what i need to do but you're not going to jump the gun on this and you're not going to take over because i this can happen right but yeah. when she told me that i just bawled i literally cried and she hugged me and like because it's never happened before like to have some two not at this point it was the second person in this one already powerful journey to care about me as a person and at one point during my labor I told her I was like are you sure like you're comfortable like I just want to make sure you're comfortable if you're comfortable I have full trust in you and she's like Sam like forgive my language I don't give a shit about your weight was literally what she says I don't care how much you weigh I'm comfortable that we can do this as a team and like to hear some like a medical professional say that to somebody who's been treated so poorly by the medical field for so long was such an overwhelming experience like it was very almost hard because it's it's something that you don't you don't get very often you know yeah yeah 
yeah it really took me to like a different place yeah it sounds um you know it was kind of like um all of the things that those reassurance and those feelings that you've been wanting to connect with finally knocked at your door and presented to you um and gave you that validation right and uh, going through this experience allowed you to have that now you know now that you know you deliver the baby everything is good and now the baby has to uh you know go to australia while you know going through that journey of letting the baby go you know how how are you dealing with that and how is that affecting you well if i'm being completely honest it's not even the baby that i'm finding hard to to deal with being gone um i knew when i started this that i don't want another baby i know how hard it is (laughs) i know how much sleep you don't get i know for how long i know um the terrible two phase like you know i've done it all and so when i went into this i definitely went into this knowing that i don't want the responsibility of a baby so as much as i like love him and i think he's so cute and like i miss him it's actually the dads that i'm heartbroken about and not heartbroken but because i'm so happy for them but it's a very weird feeling of feeling so happy and accomplished and all of these things but so sad because you miss them because now I look at them we've built such an incredible relationship that's going to be lifelong like they already call me Aunt Sam you know they got me a beautiful Tiffany necklace with um, River's name engraved into it so that way like I could always have them close to me and you know they they've we've built a relationship that's forever and so now I'm struggling with them being gone because I almost look at them at, like as my brothers or, you know, or as my best friends. Like I feel like my best friend left and now I'm just trying to um, really comprehend them being gone. And I'm so excited for them. And like, I'm excited for River to get to meet their family and everything like that. But the sadness of, of getting over it is really the guys being gone. And um, I actually reached out to my surrogacy support and I said, like, is this normal? And they're like, yeah, it's normal. But you have to understand that, like, how deeply you're feeling this goes to show how amazing your journey was, you know, how amazing it was that you guys have this type of relationship where you guys miss each other. And, you know, it's just the sentiment of the bond that you guys have built together. And when they said it like that, it made me feel a bit better because it's true. And it's the guys 100 percent. It's it's definitely not the baby. Like, I do love him and I miss him. But like I said, it's. I feel like my best friends left like they came a few weeks before the baby we were talking all of the time before then they came a few weeks before the baby we spent all that time getting to know each other and taking photos like uh, maternity photos and doing all of that with them and then the baby came and then we took like after photos like newborn photos but I took it with them as like the parents you know so it was two dads and the surrogate and so I felt like everything was very much about the the three of us and even though the baby came and it was now four of us my my feelings of them being gone are just so sad because of the relationship we all built and the bond that we have so now i'm doing a bit better they just left on may 13th so it's still fresh but um i'm handling it a bit better now like i always had this fear of being like forgotten and you know like when they get back to the regular life like i go back to my regular life but i don't have a baby you know my baby my life isn't as the way it was before just 
it is what it is where you know when a life with a brand new baby is very hard and it's you know you're tired and it's easy to forget you know and that was always my biggest fear and not that they've given me anything to fear about at all like nothing um but it's hard as a surrogate right it's like you don't want your best friend to move and make new friends <laughs> so it's kind of how it feels in a weird way um but now i'm starting to accept it like they're messaging me every day they check in i check in on them um and now now i'm feeling better now that they've been away for a few weeks i'm i'm able to comprehend okay they, they don't forget about me you know where we are going to talk and we are going to see they're going to send me pictures of the baby they're going to send me pictures of them they're going to you know check in and now i'm starting to emotionally be able to to comprehend and kind of get get through them being gone um yeah. yeah yeah definitely not the baby i miss i do but it's um it's the it's the friendship it's hard to lose a friendship of that stature especially when you yeah, do something I, like that serious I think, for each other. yeah i think um it's a little bit of everything it's a mixture of everything because you know as a mother when you give birth you still have that connection with that child right and mm-hmm. um and yeah i think that it you know it's a little bit of everything because you have that connection with the uh, parents that will be taking over and taking care of the baby however uh you just gave birth and every time as you know a mother you give birth there's always like a roller coaster emotional um you know journey that you go by right um plus the fact that i think that mentally uh you had already checked with you that this journey had its own ending and purpose and you knew already why but there's you know a difference between knowing this is what it is but actually going through it and finalizing it and coming to an end it brings all these different emotions right and it's normal yeah well of course and like i know people say like the baby and stuff and i know you mentioned like i gave birth to the baby but and that's where i thought my emotions would come from i really did but why my and my hormones kind of like took over and like but my emotions really and what surprised me so much was my care for the guys like now i understand it now that they're gone but at first i literally thought i'm like okay the like the baby leaving is going to be hard you know but like now like in my day i do think about the baby but the surprise of it all was is how i'm feeling about the guys like it really is like it's like my family just like left it's like i left my family like to move to another yeah. country yeah so like and that's kind of what surprised me and i mean your hormones after birth alone will take you on a crazy ride with your own baby oh, let alone yes. like covid and and not being your baby and then building such a relationship and not knowing what your mind is really going to take you on and it ended up my mind saying hey like i you miss the guys you know and that's what's been the hardest part yeah now samantha is there a special message you would like to share with our listeners yeah i want um to say something to the plus size community of to always fight for yourself to love your body make sure that you are comfortable with who you are and um if you're having troubles in the medical field or anything um just fight for yourself because you are worth it um you're worthy i 
run a social media platform that's strictly based on being body positive um and whatever you look like no matter no matter what your external appearance is is just to own it and love yourself um and to not let anybody take you down and that could be in regular life in the medical field or anything and if you want to do some things that you think are crazy like i thought surrogacy was crazy do it it's worth it um yeah it's just worth it to do what will make you happy no matter what the stigma around you says now that's a beautiful statement and um samantha i would like to thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today and for all the listeners out there a big thank you and keep tuning in for our next episode namaste Thank mm-hmm. you.